Welcome to Small Biz Brainiac, providing employer intelligence that helps you navigate the regulatory landscape and keep you on course running the business you love. Here's your host, Thomas Rock Lindsay. Hey, Small Biz Brain Trust. Welcome to another episode of Small Biz Brainiac. I'm your host, Thomas Rock Lindsay. And this is the podcast that delivers employer intelligence two days each week, every Tuesday and Thursday. Robert Attridge delivers the Tuesday, no, the Thursday show. I keep doing that. And I deliver the Tuesday show. All right. Well, episode 146, Minimum Wage Madness in Minneapolis. So even if you don't have employees in Minneapolis, you need to stay on top of the local HR laws because it's a sign of things to come, especially if you live in a city that's governed by Democrats. Now, the city of Minneapolis has bought into the voodoo economic theory that they can regulate the labor market and bend it to their will. They've jumped on the municipality minimum wage bandwagon, and they've passed an ordinance creating a city minimum wage of $10 an hour, effective January 1, 2018, and increasing each year until it reaches $15 in 2024. Apparently, the city council and the mayor are unhappy with the federal and state government's lack of action to protect the city's citizens, their health, their safety, and their general welfare. So they've taken matters into their own dirty little hands. You see, the labor market and every other segment of the economy is far too complex for any one politician or gaggle of politicians to understand, let alone control. But they keep trying. They can manipulate the markets. They can make them more expensive and more complex. They can even kill certain markets, sending them into the black market. But the only certain outcome of their meddling is damaging unintended consequences. Seattle, for example, has a minimum wage that took effect April 1st, 2015. And that gradually increases to $15 an hour as early as this year and as late as 2021, depending on the size of your company. After reaching $15 an hour, it's going to increase every January 1st based on the consumer price index for that area. So how's it working for them so far, for their low-wage workers? Well, not so well, because according to the Seattle Minimum Wage Study Team at the University of Washington, employers have cut their payroll, postponed hiring, and reduced hours or even terminated employees. Overall, the study says that the average low-wage workers lost $125 a month because of the increase in the minimum wage. And those are the results just after the first nine months, so long before the full effect will be felt. The report says this, quote, Our best estimates find that the Seattle minimum wage ordinance appears to have lowered employment rates of low-wage workers. This negative unintended consequence, which are predicted by some of the existing economic literature, is concerning and needs to be followed closely in future years because the long-run effects are likely to be greater as businesses and workers have time to adapt to the ordinance, end quote. So, maybe the economics work differently in Minneapolis. I actually don't know if they have the authority to even do this, because other municipalities have had their actions overturned by the state and blocked from future similar ordinances. According to an article on the New York Times website, called Blue Cities Want to Make Their Own Rules, Red States Won't Let Them, states have banned localities, cities, from passing minimum wage increases and paid sick days. In St. Louis, for example, a new state law took effect on August 28th that preempted the city's minimum wage ordinance. Their $10 minimum 
only took effect on May 2017, and it was set to increase to $11 on January 1st, 2018, but that's not going to happen. And in another example, the city of Birmingham just passed a minimum wage ordinance, and the state of Alabama passed a law preempting the city uh, from regulating minimum wage. So, time will tell if Minneapolis's ordinance survives. The Minneapolis ordinance says that the city has broad authority through its police powers to enact regulation to further the public health, safety, and general welfare. So that's a pretty broad catch-all authority that they state for their ability to do this. It says increasing the minimum wage directly promotes health, safety, and welfare of the workers in the city. The other stated reason is a living wage. The city council says that the living wage in Minneapolis is $15.25 per hour for a single person and $19.80 for a family of three, yet they're only increasing it to $15 an hour, and it won't reach that until July 2022 for large employers and July 1st, 2024 for small employers. For large employers, the rate starts at 10 on January 1st, 2018, and then jumps to 11.25 on July 1st, 2018, and then goes up from there every July 1st thereafter. And for small employers, it starts at 10.25 on July 1st, 2018, and then goes up every July 1st thereafter. A large employer is someone who has more than 100 employees, and a small employer is someone who has 100 or less. And to determine your size, you have to take the average number of employees who worked each week in the previous calendar year. If you're a new business, you'll look at the average number of employees that you had during the first 90 days following your first employee starting to work. And you have to count all employees, including part-time employees, joint employees, and temporary employees. So you can't use a PEO or a temporary staffing company to escape that large employer status. Also, if you're a franchisee and you have more than 10 locations nationally, then you're a large employer regardless. If you have employees outside the city limits and one of them works two hours or more in the city, then you have to pay the city minimum wage for those hours. Employees who are just passing through the city aren't covered as long as they don't have any business-related stops except for food, gas, or personal errands. There are, of course, penalties for noncompliance. If you don't keep proper records, there's a $1,000 fine for that. If you don't post the proper notice provided by the Department of Civil Rights, then that'll cost you $1,000. And if you retaliate against one of your employees for exercising their rights under the ordinance, you'll have to pay between $700 and $3,000 for each violation. Also, you're liable for back pay and compensatory damages. But the real kicker is for restaurants because tips are not counted as wages toward the minimum wage. That's a huge increase. So the main House of Representatives passed a referendum in November 2016 to raise both the regular and tipped minimum wages in that state. Tip servers uh, started to complain about that and succeeded in having that minimum excluded from the increase. Here's an excerpt from the June 27th article in the Washington Post about this. Quote, their fears were twofold said Susan Vienza, a 55-year-old bartender at the Pilot House in Kennebunk, Maine, who immediately began lobbying state legislators to overrule the referendum. Many servers feared the higher costs to owners would lead them to raise prices or cut shifts. And at a packed 10-hour April meeting of the Maine Legislature's Labor, Commerce, Research, and Economic Development Committee, dozens of servers also said some confused customers were already tipping less. Vienza said she saw her hourly tips drop more than $2 an hour. I don't need to be saved, and I'll be damned if small groups of uninformed people 
are voting on my livelihood, Layenza said. You can't cut someone off at the knees like that, end quote. Well, Miss Vallenza, I'm sorry to say, they can and they do. So, we'll see. Maybe Minneapolis's servers um, will lobby the city council and get an exemption the same way that the main servers did at the, at the state level. These social engineers see nothing immoral about making it illegal for you to contract with another individual for their labor at a price that both parties are willing to accept. The only thing that the minimum wage laws do is cause the less skilled workers to be unemployed. Why does the government at any level have the right to mandate everyone be paid an arbitrarily derived living wage? Dispensing coffee or flipping burgers was never meant to support you, let alone a family of four. What fool ever thought that was the case? Is everyone entitled to a living wage based on their own circumstance? The rapidly expanding fight for a living minimum wage is hurting low-skilled workers because they're not able to justify the pay. So higher-skilled workers get hired instead. And the higher you push the labor cost, the more affordable replacing technology becomes. Because remember, a $10 restaurant wage translates to a cost of around $11.20 per hour due to employer taxes and work comp insurance. And that's not including any benefits. McDonald's kiosk costs $60,000. That's a one-time cost. And the kiosk will work 24-7 and it won't sue you. Well, there you have it. Remember, if you have any employer-related questions, just go to smallbizbrainiac.com and scroll down to the Got Questions section and ask away, and we'll get back to you with a solid answer. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. Thanks for listening to Small Biz Brainiac. To get your questions answered by Thomas directly, visit smallbizbrainiac.com. And for more employer intelligence, be sure to join us again here on Small Biz Brainiac.